It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball, and Olympic sports. You can subscribe at www.theagship.com. Uh, everything that you get with that subscription is listed in the page where you can subscribe. You could also just look at the website and you'll see the stories that are up and you'll see what you get with that subscription. Uh, preview for the game that we're going to talk about here on this podcast today is posted. Film preview is coming tomorrow, as always. Uh, basketball stories coming and have been coming and, and will be coming as basketball season begins. Uh, Olympic stuff, all sorts of good stuff over there. Go to www.theagship.com. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by co-host Parker Ballantyne. Parker, what's up, man? What's up, Patrick? Uh, I'm I'm stoked that football is back. It's not quite back in Logan, necessarily. We have to wait another long week before we get another game in the Mav, but at least we have something to do this Saturday instead of just watching the uh, the clown show that is the Mountain West at times. Yeah. Uh, we get to at least participate in that in that yeah. chaotic um, lawless den of anarchy this year, uh, this week, so... Glad that football's back. It was a well-deserved bye week, but I'm glad it's back. And then, of course, outside of football, it's the time of year where we have just everything else going on. Olympic sports has been uh, really, really fun. Huge news coming out of uh, soccer. And then, as you mentioned, basketball is just right around the corner, ready to get started. So yep. it's uh, it's a fun time. Yep, it's crossover season, which means that my brain is mush, and it will continue to be mush, but we're pushing yeah. through. We're going <laughs> to do the best that we can. Um, this is, uh, November is always, uh, November. It never changes. It always is what it is. And it's always uh, a lot. There's a lot going on. And the, I think the best place to start with the lot going on is probably not with the actual football preview here. We're going to preview Utah State's trip to San Diego State set for Saturday evening, late afternoon into the evening. Um, but before we do that, we do need to talk about soccer, which you referenced just a second ago. Uh, the soccer team is headed to the Mountain West Championship game for the first time in program history. It, it, it Granted, it's been in the Mountain West for a decade. That's not a super long history, but um, and, and was good in the whack before that. But they are headed to the Mountain West Championship game with a 1-0 win over Boise State in the semifinals. Uh, back-to-back wins for Utah State over Boise State now closed the regular season with a win and then gets another one in tournament play. Um, they win it on an overtime goal from Whitney Lopez and then a uh, big help from a penalty kick save for Dierra Walton in the final minutes of that second overtime period. Uh, Utah State will face off with number four seeded Colorado State in the Mountain West title game on Saturday at noon. But before we talk about that, we should probably talk about the game at hand, which was phenomenal. I, I, I watched every second of this game. I had it up on the laptop while I was writing the football preview yesterday. Um, and it was, I mean, I I really don't know that you could find a more on-brand win, more on-brand game for this Utah State team than this one. It was, it was pretty much everything it's been all season from them. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, when you have a 1-0 final score in soccer, uh, to, to people who don't watch a ton of soccer, it just seems like that that's kind of a regular occurrence, which to be fair, it, uh, it is. Um, but credit to Utah State's defense, as you mentioned, has been stellar all year. That's what they've done all year. Um, and this was, you know, more of the same from them. Uh, a very, very good defensive performance by Utah State soccer. Uh, and then just obviously getting enough offense in overtime to to get the win. Um, 
but yeah, it, it was very much a very Utah State game, as you say. Yeah, and uh, really, the the defense was pretty much clean until the last like seven, eight, nine minutes of the game in that second overtime period. Um, Boise State was, you know, desperate to try and tie the game and and was going all out to uh, to, to try and do so and had had some very good chances, including that that penalty kick. Um, but, uh, the defense stands tall, Daryl Walton stands even taller and, and, and gets a save on that kick. Um, and it is the, uh, the, the local senior, the, the, the midfielder, Whitney Lopez on a, a free kick of her own just outside of the box who delivers the game winner. Um, pretty, I mean, it was a, it was a perfect shot. It was, it was a really, really beautiful, uh, beautiful goal. And uh, the 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 cardiac Aggies do it again, get another late win, yeah. and they'll have a chance now to um, to to try and beat Colorado State a second time this season in the final, um, having won the first meeting in pretty much the same way. They they won it was a Kylie Olsen goal with like 28 seconds left in the game that split that one one nothing. Um, that is what this team does. That's the way they they would obviously. I'm sure prefer to score more than one goal, but they have won a lot of games this season by just blanking whoever they're playing with, with excellent defense and then getting one late and, and winning it that way. Um, They, uh, they'll look to do it again here. And if they can do that, they will claim their first ever mountain West title and their first NCAA tournament bid since 2012. There's not really mountain West doesn't really get an at large uh, bid in, in soccer just hasn't happened since like 2010. Um, and, uh, so it's, it's really kind of win and you're in and lose and you're not in, but, uh, Utah state is, is 90 minutes from, from dancing for the first time in more than a decade. Yeah. And, and it is, it really comes down to Dierra Walton at, at the keeper, uh, the, you know, we're, uh, Utah state really relying on a lot of its, uh, as you mentioned, the, the local seniors, um, the uh, Lo- uh, Whitney Lopez, of course, from Logan High School, and then Kylie Olson, you mentioned from Green Canyon High School. Uh, both Logan, you know, Logan City uh, local local players, and then De'Ara Walton, the from Draper, Utah, Jordan High School. Um, it's uh, it, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It, it's it's great. It's they're in a great position. First championship game in the Mountain West. 90 minutes away from that first NCAA birth in a long, long time. Um, things are looking up and it's been, a, it's been a wild ride ever since Manny Martin's got into this program. Um, this is kind of the culmination of all the work that he's put in and all the work that these girls are putting in. Yep. And they get, uh, they'll, they'll have as, as good a chance as they could have asked for here. Uh, they dodge the uh, one of only two teams in the mountain West that beat them this season, San Diego state, the top seed. Um, in a, uh, in a, a crazy semifinal game there between them and Colorado State goes to two overtimes, uh, still scoreless after two overtimes, and then Colorado State wins it 3-2 in a shootout. Um, I, I'm, uh, personally, I'm glad that Utah State's game did not go to a shootout. I don't know that I could have handled <laughs> a shootout. <laughs> Soccer shootouts are a, are a different... It's a different level of, of intense, um, and uh, <laughs> that that game very much fit that billing. Um, the Rams also beat Fresno State 2-0 to in the first round of the conference tournament. There's only the three rounds 
Um, and, uh, yeah, so they're, they're gonna, they're gonna kick off on Saturday at noon. I believe it is also streaming as they all are on the Mountain West website. Um, I, I think if you, if you are interested at all in, in soccer, in Utah State Olympic sports, you gotta have this one on, on Saturday. It is, it is one of the biggest program, one of the biggest games in program history. Um, and, uh, I, I think this Utah state team absolutely deserves your, uh, your attention and your, your support here as they look to, uh, to make some history for themselves. Yeah. This one deserves your eyeballs for sure. Uh, the Utah state football game isn't set to kick off until 5 PM that night. And so if you're looking for something to have on while you're tailgating, while you're pre-gaming, while you're getting ready for, uh, the football game that night. Uh, I can't think of a better thing to have on than than this game. It's uh, you know, any championship game is awesome. If you are, as you mentioned, Patrick, even remotely interested in what's going on at the university, if you went to school there and you're mostly into men's basketball and, and football, as most people I think are, um, go ahead and uh, get out of your comfort zone for this one. This this program deserves your eyeballs this Saturday for sure. Yeah, and I'll t- I'll, I'll say this as somebody uh, for for those of you who are uh, I, I think like me and just not generally in, like super interested in soccer as a television product. Um, which like I don't watch a ton of soccer. This was this was the the like I I've not watched a full soccer game in a minute before this. Um, I've, I've caught glimpses of the bigger games for this team this season. Uh, I like to go to games. I, I, I think that it's, it's kind of like baseball. It's a really good spectator sport to be in the, to be actually in the stadium and, you know, having a hot dog and, and sitting there and enjoying yourself. But I'm not, I'm not a huge soccer on TV guy. Um, and I would imagine a lot of people listening are in the same, the same boat. I will tell you, it, this is, this is not the same as like watching a a professional soccer match. It's not quite, it's not quite the same idea as, as what you're going to get from like a Sunday morning or Saturday morning premier league game or something. It is, I I think at least for, for me and what I like about sports, I think it's a lot more entertaining. (laughs) I think it's, I think that there is, there's just better for sure. Like I know that the, the quality is obviously higher at the highest levels of the sport than it is in a one bid, you know, conference in the NCAA. But like, if you are, if your complaint is that things that there's not enough happening in a soccer game that you can watch on TV, there's just they're just kind of passing the ball around. Um, that is not the case here. There's there's a lot happening in these games. There's a lot of action. There are a lot of shots, um, a lot of attacks. It is. It is a lot faster paced, and I, I think it's a lot more interesting to watch. I would, if you have not given it a try before, I would recommend it. It's really fun. It's really, really entertaining, even in a game like this that was one zero and and you know, no scores until the 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 last real moments of the game. Um, it was there was there were chances. There were really interesting and and exciting moments. Um, it's a lot of fun. It, it's, I, I really would, I would really recommend it, even if you're not usually a soccer guy, because it is just, it's fun to watch. It's, it's, it's a lot more entertaining and, and up-tempo than what you would usually associate with soccer on TV. Yeah, absolutely. And th- I mean, this is coming from two guys who pretty openly prefer college football to the NFL. Yeah. And I would, uh, we haven't talked about this, but I would assume you feel the same. You prefer 
college basketball to the NBA. Yes. Um, yeah. So clearly some bias there, but, but seriously, like this is, uh, it, it is very entertaining. It's a very entertaining sport. I'm personally not a soccer on TV guy either. Um, I will watch when it's international, like when it's the men's yeah. or women's world cup, I like to tune in. Um, or when it's my team, you know, when it's Utah state, I can tune into just about anything. Um, but even that bias aside, it is a very entertaining sports and entertaining game. Uh, and as I, as I alluded to earlier, it is a championship game, you know, any championship game at any level should be, uh, should merit some excitement. Um, so this was, this is one to tune into for sure. This, uh, yeah. this Saturday at noon. Yeah. And it's, it's fun for the same reason that college football and college basketball are more fun than, than the professionals, at least for, for us, like the, the professional leagues, everybody is so good and nothing ever like there's the mistakes are so small and, and the advantages are so small um, that it just like, I don't know, it just feels like I'm watching the same game over and over again. Whenever I watch the NBA or in the NFL, it's like, okay, yeah, they, they did the, the pretty much the same game that I saw last time and just different players yeah, wearing yeah. different jerseys. Um, in college, that is not the case because there will be, there are weaknesses, there are mistakes, there are blown coverages, there are any, any number of these things. And then when that seeds to a, a, an amazing play, it's made that much better rather than just everybody operating at the highest level at all times, um, which just gets boring to me. And, and it's the yeah, same, yeah. it's the same strength for soccer as it is for football and basketball. There's just more that can happen and more that more that will happen. Yeah, that that's true. Uh, and I think there's just something about the fact that like you can watch any sport uh, and just think, you know, I went to school with these guys yeah. or I went to school with these girls and, yeah. or, or at least, Hey, they, you know, they eat Aggie ice cream on a Friday night, just like me and you, just like everybody else. That's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, when I watch the NFL, that's, that's far from the back of my mind thinking, huh, they probably, uh, <laughs> you know, they had to walk across the quad and the bitter cold too, you know, yeah. it's, it's fun. College sports. Yeah. We, we talk about it where it's the best. There's nothing better in college sports, but, um, you know, women's soccer included, uh, this is, this is a fun, it's been a fun ride and it hopefully doesn't have to end, uh, this Saturday. Yep. All right. Let's talk about football here. Utah state, as I said, is headed to San Diego state. Both teams enter this game off of bye weeks sitting at three and five, um, a kind of actually a, a weird number of similarities between the ways that these two teams got to their records. Um, really, yeah, ba- really yeah. bad loss right before the bye week. Uh, lost to Air Force, lost to a team near the top of the conference standings um, in, uh, I don't remember who the, who was it for Utah State? I don't know. Um, Probably, uh, Fresno. Oh, Fresno. That yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. yeah, lost lost to a one-loss team in the conference. Utah State's was Fresno, um, and uh, San Diego State's was Boise. Uh, you have you know two and two in non-conference, winning two games you probably should win, and then two losses to good teams. To for for San Diego State, it was Oregon State and uh, UCLA, um, and so just kind of some weird similarities and and similarities that extend even beyond this season between these two programs that have been kind of, despite not playing in the last several years, they've they've been sort of tied in in a weird way they've they've followed similar paths going back to 2021 when they meet in that that title game you have you know both have breakout seasons that year after down 2020 seasons you have 
2020 or yet yeah, 2022 they both regress and and are fighting for bowl eligibility they end on either side of six and six and then this year they're three and five it's 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 strange i don't know that it seems like they've been kind of i don't know that freaky friday would be the right phrase but they they've been <laughs> sort of spiritually linked these two programs the last couple of years um and they they enter this game under those circumstances yeah that's absolutely true and i think uh that that does kind of play into what i wanted to st- talk about before we really start and look at this game uh you know the x's and o's of it and what it might look like um i just wanted to talk about what this game really can mean for both of these teams this game is one that in a very weird and roundabout and sneaky way has made itself one of the more important games on this schedule again you know in a very weird way uh we look at this game before the season starts and it's probably one of those where it's like all right we got iowa uh, we're at Air Force. Those are big ones. James Madison, that's a big one. Fresno's a big one. And then you look at San Diego State and think, that's a big one. You know, yeah. this is two teams that were uh, haven't met since they've met in the championship game two years ago. Uh, and you would have assumed that, hey, this one might be, uh, this might be two of the top dogs <laughs> duking it out late in the season, early uh-huh. November game. This is a big one. Yeah, um, alas. And as the season started... <laughs> San Diego State did everything they could to just make a fool of themselves. Utah State looked weird, um, I think, optimistic through the first few weeks. Um, And that game, I think, kind of got put on the back burner, at least in my mind as I looked through the season. It wasn't long ago we were looking at losing to Fresno and then looking up and thinking, hey, we're favored the rest of the way. This is is looking pretty good. Um, And then just in the past two weeks – this game has again made made itself very very important on this schedule. It's one that I think, um, like I said, it, it, you you could be forgiven for starting to overlook the Aztecs, but at this point, where Utah State is, where you where San Diego State is, uh, these two teams in a very similar position, um, and these teams now fighting for bowl eligibility. I think both teams desperately need this win to get back on track. I think both teams are looking at the potential of their souls just being broken. I mean, San Diego state talked about a bad loss going into bye week. They lose to a previously Owen six Nevada team, uh, just a a not good, not good Nevada team. uh, And they don't even score. score. Yeah. Did not, did did not not even find the end zone Didn't kick a field goal. Nothing. Utah state looking, not quite as bad, but very bad against San Jose State. I mean, you're talking about two teams that are not only fighting for bowl eligibility, but just fighting to keep their head above water and fighting yeah. to just stay together as a team. Uh, this this game is is huge in a very uh, potentially ugly way, as I think the loser of this game could could suffer uh, a lot coming into that final stretch. I don't think um, San Diego State has this game. Uh, which, as I mentioned, they desperately need yeah. because after Utah State, they play um, at Colorado State, at San Jose, and Fresno. So if Utah State beats the Aztecs, the Aztecs have a very difficult path to bowl eligibility. Uh, Utah State is a similar, honestly. If we lose this game, we have Nevada, Boise, and New Mexico, yeah. uh, and and that becomes anybody's. Those kind of all become anybody's games. So a really, really big one this week. Yeah, it, it's. I I think that this is probably 
I, I would like this for the sake of like it's it's nice and neat and very rarely are things nice and neat in college football. This could be a I could very easily see this being the place where these two parallel programs diverge, where the winner is you know uh, kind of uh, get, gets the momentum of it and ends up closing out the season the way that they want, getting to a bowl game and building on that moving forward. And the team who loses is in really bad shape and could technically rattle off three straight to get to a bowl game, but probably isn't because, like I said, both teams are coming off of a bye week and before that an emotional and bad loss. These are two... Frail might not be the right word because I, I, I don't know that that would be fair. These are two teams that are... Uh, licking their wounds a little bit here, and I think right, in right. in a pretty fragile place mentally right now. Not that's and and I don't say that as a as a uh, you know an insult. I say that as they both they're both in a in a pretty precarious spot here, and you could see very easily things going bad if you don't show up and win this game on either side. If you aren't ready to yeah. go coming out of the bye week and you can't get it done because this is. This is the time to build that momentum to get ready for that last stretch. And I, I think that if you lose it, even for Utah State, which I think has the easier of the two schedules down the down the road by a, a little bit, at least it has two of the teams that are at the bottom of the conference. Um, and so, like, yes, it could it could find a way. It could it could do that. I, I think that they're probably going to beat Nevada and New Mexico. Um, unless it's, you know, unless they just collapse, but this would be, this would be a really good way to start that month and to start that final stretch. Whereas a loss, like, I don't know, I don't know what else you do at that point, because you had the week to recover. You had the week to recuperate and, and to, to focus again on, on the task at hand for both of these teams. And if you come out and lose again, you're like, well, what else can we do? We've, we've done, we've, right. we've done what we could do and it didn't work. It didn't do enough to get the win at some point, even when you are, you know, when you, you, you can say as much as you want that you are process driven, you need to win games for those guys to continue to believe in that process. Um, and it is, it's a big one. It's a really, really, really big one for Utah State and a really big one for San Diego State. And I think that as we dive into the matchups here, it's, you know, on, on paper, <laughs> assuming it, it, all of this, I, I think we can just do a blanket stank statement here at the top. All of this, the stuff that we're going to say is favorable for Utah State here is contingent on Utah State playing like it did in the first seven games of the season and not like it did in the last time that we saw them play. If Utah State plays like that, it's going to lose all of the games left on its schedule um, and it'll go. And and it won't be close. Yeah, like that, that would be that would be it. If they play like that, they are not a good football team. They are probably closer to three and nine than they are to six and six. Um, If they play normal if they're close to what we have seen from them this year or if they are what we've seen from them this year I think they I think they have a pretty favorable matchup here San Diego State has really really struggled in a lot of different ways and I think that that probably starts with the most important matchup here which to me is the Utah State passing game against the San Diego State pass defense yeah that is yeah that's where it all starts for for this Utah State team that's where this matchup starts um, and part of that is because of the uncertainty at quarterback. 
Um, and part of it is because how good Utah State can be. I think this is really where uh, Utah State can be really, really not just above average, but elite. Um, and yeah. it's also where Utah State can get in its own way and really, really mess things up for themselves. Uh, we, You talk about how week one through seven Utah State or weeks, you know, games one through seven Utah State has to show up. Game eight, can't, game eight, Utah State cannot show up to this game. Yeah. And that is a huge part of it is the U, the Utah State passing game, uh, which starts with the offensive line. And then, of course, whoever's slinging the football. That is, I mean, let's just address it right off the top. That's what everyone's wondering. I don't think there's, I think there's a lot of people out there that don't know who's starting this game um, at the quarterback position. Brady Hoke included, and as he said at the press Hoke conference. Included. He said, I don't know who's going to be playing quarterback. With him. But Blake Anderson included, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Uh, we, we just do well, not know. Yeah. Um, and that is not a good situation to be in. Um, this late in the season, your early November, yeah, coming out of a bye week, you should know who your quarterback is, and you should not have a doubt about that. I think, based on what Blake has said, um, not only recently but throughout the season, uh, you have to assume it's McKay, not yeah. just assume like it. It is going it, to be. It, it has McKay. been. I think it's. I think right. it's going to be McKay. Um, I I will take Blake at his word when he says that whoever is the quarterback will have a short leash. I believe him when he says that. I so don't... that is that is true. So that's something I wanted to bring yeah. up too. Like almost word for word is like I haven't believed him when he has said that in the past necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in in last week's press conference when he says whoever's going to start is going to be on a really short leash, I truly believe him. I really yeah. would not be surprised to see he's done it. Whoever I mean, starts, he's probably McKay throw a pick and then be benched in the first yeah. quarter, which I like I, that has been a, a, a sticking point in recent years for Utah state and Utah state fans is wanting a shorter leash specifically last year for, for Logan Bonner that just didn't really ever come about until he got hurt. Um, and, and wanting wanting Blake to be a little bit more willing to assess the situation rather than just sticking with right. what he knows when what he knows wasn't really working. Like Logan was not playing well last season. He was he was dinged up and it just wasn't working. Yeah. Um yeah. and like that in in some situations that can be beneficial. That can be the right approach. I don't love in early November when you have seen, I think, plenty of both of these quarterbacks that you're still, like, you've got guys on, on pins and needles constantly looking over their shoulder, whoever the starter is, knowing that if he makes a mistake, he could be benched. Like, I think you probably, at this point, unless it's a disaster, unless it is like like a, you know, you go out and you have two interceptions in the first two or three drives and offense isn't going anywhere and you're 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 down by 14 points to a team that, hasn't scored more than 10 points in, in four separate games this season against FBS opponents. Um, they've only played seven FBS opponents. They've been held to 10 or fewer four times. Um, if you're, if it's that, if it's that the, the, the offense is just out of sorts, the quarterback, whoever it is, I would assume it's going to be McKay is, is jittery is making mistakes. Then. Okay. I, you know, I, I thought it was the right call against air force. I didn't think that, letting Cooper try to to uh, shoot his way out of that slump was going to be the right approach. I get it. Um, if it's just like, you know, 
guys playing fairly well and has an interception and then he's benched, that would be that's a little that's a little extreme. I think you probably need yeah, I, I, I think that stability is probably more important right now than anything for Utah State at quarterback and I they, they really need to just pick a guy and go with him. And I think that Yeah I don't think you can be wrong nine. if you're just confident in it. Just pick somebody and go with it. I think it's gonna be McKay. I think it yeah. I, I, I would understand if it was Cooper as well. I think either pick is fine if you just do it. Just do it. Just pick the guy and go with right. him. It's the the competition needs to be done at this point. It's November. Yeah, it's it's week I said it's week nine. It's week ten. It's game yeah. nine with a bye week, uh coming right out of a bye week, by the way. Like this should be Yeah, you've this had, should be you've had the time. no quarterback battle at this point. Um and another thing that he said in that press conference is that McKay and Cooper are getting equal reps in practice right now. Yeah. That is spring ball stuff. Yeah. That's not what you do. You, you know, you should if you don't have a quarterback in fall camp that's what you do in fall camp that's not what you do eight games into the season preparing to close out your campaign i mean you have yeah. four games left and you have you're splitting reps 50 50 that's a huge huge issue and i think it is particularly worrisome for me because i've seen throughout this season and even throughout i think seasons past with blake anderson here um is his propensity to not prepare appropriately and adequately for games i think lack of preparation has been a huge issue uh it's been a huge issue on the offense particularly and to have blake say i yeah we're splitting we're splitting reps 50 50 um that does make me very nervous about how this passing game can come out and play because when they're when they're good they're really good when they're great they're great um but when they're unprepared you can tell yeah and they have been unprepared at least to start games more often than not this season and to be taking what I would look at as a step backwards and saying, basically, we don't know who our quarterback is. We're going to get him 50, 50 reps and flip a coin at game time. That is troubling. That does not bode well to the preparation and you're not setting up either of those quarterbacks for success. You're really setting them both up for failure when at this point in the season, you got to pick one, set that guy up for success, and then the other guy can be a backup. Yeah. Um, and that's what I hope happens. I hope it is McKay. I hope I hope he's bluffing when he says they're splitting reps. I hope that doesn't last all week, uh, or at least, you know, the full the full stretch of that bye uh, period. Um, I hope it is McKay, and I hope McKay comes out and plays the way that McKay can. Yeah. Because if he does, I think this, you know, this <laughs> passing attack is – very formidable it's very very yeah. good against this uh san diego state defense which has been probably the only good thing about this aztecs team is the defense um yeah and, mckay is yeah go ahead no and, and like that is that is relative because the offense for san diego state is as anemic as it's ever so um, bad this the, the the interesting thing with this team and the reason that they are where they are right now with the three and five record is that at 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 long last it's been a decade of of um surviving and advancing and of having a they have not had a, a, a defense finish outside of the top 35 for points allowed since 2013 it has been a decade of this um no matter who they lost they would just plug new guys in and this season i think with with credit due in part to the fact that the offense is just not helping um this season the attrition has caught up to to san diego state and and this defense is not 
not near where it where it has been in the past. It's still the better of the two units on the team because right. they're yeah they're they're it's the you know the the San Diego State offense. It's not that much hard. It's it's not it's not all that hard to be better than them if you're the defense. It's not a very high bar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this defense has struggled and it makes sense. They, they lost all four starters on their defensive line. Um, all four of those guys are playing in the league. Uh, they lost two starting linebackers. They lost two very important safeties to the transfer portal. They've had a bunch of injuries. This, this secondary has been really kind of decimated by injuries. Um, and so they just, they have new faces. They have new faces in a lot of spots and they are, they're struggling with growing pains, which would be, I, I said in the preview, that that would be totally, that's, that's totally normal for like 115, 120 college football programs. But for these guys on this defense with how well it has played over the last decade, it feels very strange to say that, but it's true. They're going through growing pains. They're struggling to tackle. They're missing assignments. They are uh, they're in the 90s, I think, for run defense per, per game, yardage allowed per game. And for pass defense, they're 115th. Um, they just, it, it has kind of, it's kind of stacked up on them here. And I think that the weight that the defense has had to carry for the last decade or so has, has, has built up too big for, for this specific new look defense. They're, they're not really... The things that you would expect usually from a San Diego State defense are not present here. They don't get sacks. They don't get tackles for loss. They've been decent with great with with creating turnovers. I think they'd like to be better there. Um, and, and they also, because they aren't getting sacks or tackles for loss, they've really kind of gone away from the standard here, which is a, a four-man rush or a three-man rush with heavy zone defense behind it. They're blitzing. They're blitzing a lot. They're sending five or six guys pretty frequently, and then they're playing a lot of man coverage on the back end and just looking for for pressure, looking to try and find guys who can provide pressure, and they haven't really gotten it. And so this secondary is is in a really difficult position here because they're just not getting a whole lot of help up front. Yeah, I mean, this this defense historically, or at least in recent history, the past decade or so, has been the closest thing to Air Force outside of air force yeah. um just in terms of being able to plug and play and be you know one game is every game you know you watch really any film over the past 10 years and you pretty much see what this defense is about They're, they've been very similar they've been very dominant they've been very good yeah um this defense is taking a step back from that obviously as you mentioned um but there's still things that they can do they're they're okay at causing turnovers forcing turnovers yeah um they've they've been and... they've been pretty good at limiting explosive plays as well there's not been a yeah. there's not a ton of those it's more the issue here has more been down to down stuff which is also strange for san diego state they're um i think i have this in the in the preview doc but they're 128th in defensive success rate allowed 132nd in rushing success rate allowed 117th or, or um 87th against the pass like stuff rate they're 125th line yards per carry they're 132nd like this is not it's not a it's 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 not just bad for san diego state this has been honestly just a pretty bad defense this season it's 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 it has, not it's just yeah. regular bad it's not bad for this team they're just bad well you've seen that in the, the the way that they've given up kind of a lot of points to teams that shouldn't be scoring a lot yeah um but the the <laughs> thing that they have been okay at and the thing things that they have been able to figure out 
um, there are there are aspects of that that are not favorable to Utah State. Yeah. A team that is okay at getting into the backfield and rushing your quarterback is good at doing that against Utah State. Yeah. Um, a team that is okay at forcing turnovers <laughs> is very good at forcing turnovers against Utah State because uh, we have two quarterbacks that really like to throw the football away. <laughs> uh, we've, we've had a really hard time protecting the football. Uh, you know, we should start playing bingo of how many times Blake Anderson mentions keeping the ball out of harm's way. That's like yeah. his phrase. Now he says it all the time and he has to, because we keep putting the ball in harm's way. Um, and so if you're, if you're a team that is okay at picking balls off and you're okay at uh, you know, even if you do have to blitz to get to the quarterback, if you're pretty good at getting to the quarterback um, that matches up quite nicely against this Utah state team that has struggled to, uh, protect the ball and protect the quarterback. Yeah. Um, that being said, it still is a very large step back from these Aztec defenses that we're accustomed to. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that is because of what they're asked to do. They're they're playing. You know, their offense is not helping them out. No. Um, but there are some things to be worried about, particularly based on our level of preparation and who who our quarterback is, whether or not he's prepared and whether or not we can protect him. Yeah. Um, overall, I'm not worried. This is a matchup that I think should bode well for the Aggies, but there are things that the Aztecs can do. Uh, there's things that our offense does rather that the Aztecs can exploit if we, if yeah. we let them and they will gladly do that. This is a game where the, you, the San Diego state defense would gladly get back to their full form uh, against Utah state. If they, if, if we let them. Yeah. And, and I think that that's probably going to be uh, the approach. Kurt Maddox, the defensive coordinator for San Diego state is a, he's a very smart coach. He's very good at what he does. Um, he's just, you know, <clears throat> they're having a down year this year, but I, I have, I have a lot of confidence in him. I think he's, he's good at what he does. And I think that he will probably see the, the way that teams have defended Utah state when they have been successful doing it this season, which has been, closer to what San Diego State usually does. It's getting pressure with three or four, not needing to bring that extra help, and then loading up the back end and making it harder to complete passes, making those windows tighter, um, refusing to let the the matchups on the outside dictate the game. Um, because if, if San Diego State, and this has been a case all season, I, I, I think if San Diego State has to add extra guys into the pass rushing unit, um, Utah State is in a pretty good spot because like those blitzes can provide pressure and probably will. I don't have a ton of faith in Utah state's ability to hand to, to hold up long-term against a, a blitz. Um, but if the Aggies are able to win against four, <laughs> which they couldn't do against San Jose state, but they, they have done at times this season um, and, and force San Diego state to blitz uh, suddenly you are asking those corners, and I, I like two of the corners here, Des Malone and Noah Tumblin, have both been pretty good for them, but the <clears throat> the slot corner role has still really yet to find a starter. Uh, there have been injuries there, and they've just they've had trouble with that. They're, they've been without Noah Avinger all season, who was a projected starter at corner. Same with Dallas Branch. He hasn't played in four or five weeks. Uh, Devon Celestine at safety has been out for most of the year as well. And so the the depth beyond those two corners is shaky, and they really only have the one safety who's proven. That would be Sidarius Barfield. Very good player. He's been around forever. Um, but he's starting opposite a freshman with Marcus Radcliffe, and then that slot spot is probably going to be 
uh, a, a committee approach with uh, somebody like Deshaun McHugh and uh, J.D. Coffey the third or freshman Josh Hunter. Like those guys have all played there, but there's really not an established starter in that spot. And I don't think if you are asking a five-man defensive backfield consistently to play man defense against this Utah State receiving core while you're blitzing two guys or just sending sending extra pressure. Um, Utah State's generally handled that pretty well because it just gets the ball out too quickly. And even if you're blitzing, there are, the, the windows are too open and these, these receivers are too quick and can establish themselves too quickly that it would matter. You're not getting home in time. The ball's already out. That was when Utah State was able to move the ball against San Jose State was the few times that it decided to blitz. <laughs> and I, I, I think if it really is just going to come down to can Utah State's offensive line with a week of recovery under its belt with a, a, a you know as close to healthy as it has been in in weeks um, can they hold up against the defensive line here which has not been super effective Cooper McDonald is the stand-up edge rusher uh, brother of Caden he's 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 okay he, he's been okay for them Garrett Fountain has been here he's starting um, Daniel Opoko has stepped into a bigger role uh, the, the the tackles are just kind of there uh Tupu Alalu and uh or Alu Alu and uh Wyatt Drager like this line has not been very good it's not been very good to the point where they have had to bring extra pressure quite a bit more than they usually do and I think that it's it's really going to before anything else can happen before Utah State can exploit those matchup advantages that it has at the second and third level it has to block those three or four guys who are on the line and force those blitzes. It has to create, it it needs to pull defenders away from the pass defense and give probably McKay places to throw the ball. Um, Because it just doesn't work when you're getting pressure with four and there's seven guys in the secondary who are are dropping into zones. There's nowhere to throw. You've got nothing you can do. You're just going to go down. Um, Utah State needs to win with five on four in in the pass blocking game. Yeah, it, it really does. For for how much we talk about how this is about the quarterback, it really is just our offensive line. We've, we've stressed that all season long. Um, if you're not able to, you know, if, if they're not able to get home with four uh, and they have to start blitzing, that's probably the best thing that Utah State can that, – that's the best thing that yeah. can happen for Utah State is a defense that likes to blitz. Yeah, Utah State um, is because, happy to yeah. – Utah State is happy to dink and dunk all game if it needs oh, yeah. to. It's just screen, slant, drag route, like the, the sit route. They've got all sorts of that like, in their, in their, at their yeah. disposal, and they can add – they have good pass blockers in, in non-line positions with Brock Lane and, and with Davon Booth. Like, you have those guys. You can oh, handle yeah. that. Absolutely. Um, that's an and advantage so, for Utah State when you, have to, when you have to bring five or six consistently. Yeah, and Jalen Royals. I mean, when you have a guy as fast as Jalen Royals, like what are you what are you going to do? Like he's he's going to be able to establish himself so quickly that if you can just give that quarterback a split second to get him the ball, um, you're going to you you can't leave Jalen Royals even a little bit open um, because he's he's just so fast. And so yeah. blitzing against Utah State, that's why it hasn't worked. Um, I think you're going to see teams that are reluctant to do that. Um, especially because you a lot of times don't need to because the offensive line that we have doesn't hold up. Um, but to your point, this should be about the healthiest this offensive line has been since like week one. Um, you gave them an extra week. Um, in that press conference, Blake was mentioning that he they hadn't even gone back to like uh, collision practice since like early this week, I think. Yeah, they started was, I, Sunday was the first one since the San Jose. Yeah, State. like I kind of love that. I think that's good. I think yeah. some people, you know, the 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 old school football heads might be like you know, bothered, like you got to be hitting each other. You know, yeah. I, 
I like that. I think that is probably huge for this team that they were able to just uh, hit the weights and run all week last week and just get your legs back, get your bodies feeling better. Um, that could be really, really good for Utah State if that offensive line can come out and be be nice and healthy because that that gives it gives um, I almost said Levi. Uh, it gives McKay time. Hopefully not Levi. <laughs> gives McKay time in the backfield to either uh, pick up pick apart your your defense if you're not going to blitz or if you're going to blitz it just gives us an opportunity to get the ball out fast yeah yeah if they're not blitzing he needs time and if they are blitzing he's just it's just going to be whoever's open um that is uh and getting open is easy yeah getting open for these receivers has not really been an issue it's more (laughs) you know if there's no time and also there are eight defenders in the backfield it becomes a little bit more of a problem for those receivers because they're only they are still human, and if there's nowhere to go, there's nowhere to go. I, that is, the game, there are other things that will happen in this game. None of them are more important than, than that. Utah State needs Very to, true. It, not even, I don't even know that it's a matter of like, oh, Utah State has to dominate up front. Just just be capable. Just be competent. Don't yeah, just, don't, just don't get beat by four consistently. Yeah, yeah, just just win your matchups <laughs> and, and just be, be there yeah. just literally just exist and get in the way of the other guy yeah a little bit yeah yeah you, you've got five on four you have a margin where you can lose one and still have somebody there to help just yep. don't lose three on the same play because then you're yeah. in trouble when you're losing three on the same play and both of your tackles are getting beat off the edge and somebody's getting pressure up the middle it's going to be a problem it's going to be a problem for a, yeah. for a quarterback yeah. and it doesn't matter yeah. who's back there it's going to be a problem and it was the last time we saw utah state play um it has been in the first quarter pretty much all season and that's you know just don't do that <laughs> just just block them and it's easier yeah. said than done but that's sometimes the matchups are pretty simple if utah state does that i think it's probably going to have a lot of success through the air and we'll win the game um uh, moving on to the first matchup here on the other side of the ball for the Utah State defense, it would be the San Diego State rushing attack here against the Utah State run defense, um, as it always is with these guys. This uh, I, I pulled a I pulled a stat yesterday for the for the cover story. Let me see if I can find it. Um, when San Diego State, yeah, since two thousand and nine. Uh, when Brady Hoke arrived the first time, so, since then San Diego State is 85 and 35 in seasons when it had at least one 1,000-yard rusher, uh, and 35 and 32 in seasons when they didn't. This is a season when they don't. They don't have. There's not that guy on this team. They have really struggled to run the ball. Um, their leading rusher in both carries and yards is quarterback Jalen Maiden. Um, he's a weapon as, as a runner. He's dangerous, and Utah State will need to find ways to spy him and keep him contained because it, it's not a surprise when he runs. Um, right. But the, which is something they struggled with last week against Kyrie Robinson, by the way, who yeah. is uh, much less athletic and should be less of a threat. Yeah. Cor- think. Cor- I think it's Cordero is the yeah, Robinson is the halfback for, for San Jose state. Oh um, yeah. That, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Shevin Cordero. Yeah. Yeah. Maiden's a better runner than Cordero and Cordero had success and guys have had success doing that against this defense this year. I think Jordan McLeod for James Madison comes to mind. UConn had some of these, pretty much everybody has had success with this Logan Fife, especially on um, uh, third and long. Yeah. Especially on third and long avoid <laughs> those is going to be a pretty big part of the run yes. defenses. Don't let yep. that happen. Um, but the actual halfbacks here, the guys who came into the season as the starters, Keenan Christian and um, Jalen Armstead, they have just 
they've just not been very good. If I'm being honest, they've struggled with injuries. They've struggled with inefficiency. Um, they are both sitting right now through eight games at 257 yards on 69 and 60 carries respectively. That's not very good. <laughs> this is not very many yards. Um, I, I think that honestly, I think what I'm interested in here more than those two, which they might be more involved this week than they have been in recent weeks as they get the bye week to help, you know, recover and, and, and recuperate. I'm more interested in whether or not San Diego State is ready to move on to a, a young duo of running backs who I think might be better than the the veterans. Um, sophomore Cam, Cam Davis and freshman Lucky Sutton, uh, those two are, I think, names to know that you would not have known coming into the season. They took the vast majority of the snaps in San Diego State's last two games before the bye week. They were not great. They were fine. And they are going to be around for a lot longer than the two guys who have been starting here. I think that there's a chance that you see those two stepping into the main two roles. It, were, it, it operates basically the same way. Davis is smaller and quicker. I think he's like 5'8", 180 pounds. Sutton is big. He's 6'1", 215. It's, it's the same approach that this team always takes to running the ball, where they have one fast and one big. Um, but I, I think there's a decent chance that you see those two stepping into bigger roles, which is not like the end of the world. They've not been amazing. I think Utah State can slow them down. A lot of teams have, but it is it is kind of a chaos factor of you have new faces who Utah State has not seen before and who there's not a lot of tape on and and they are I think better athletes than the guys that they might be replacing. So I'm 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 interested in seeing yeah. what happens there. If I'm San Diego State, I don't think it would be a question that I'd be going with those two. I think the future is with those two, but uh, yeah. we'll we'll see yeah. where they are at with this because this is a program that is certainly I would say resistant to the future usually. Yeah, well, I mean, in the past it's been okay. If you're winning now, you don't have to worry. But when you're not winning now and you're resistant to the future, uh, you have a huge problem. Um, Cam Davis and Lucky Satan, uh, Lucky Sutton, mm -hmm. um, Cam Davis, 30, 30 carries, 107 yards, uh, Lucky Sutton, 19 carries, 71 yards, um, averaging 36 and, or 3.6 and 3.7 yards. Um, these yeah. are guys that the Aztecs, I mean, if you're a San Diego state fan, you desperately want these guys getting more involved. I yeah. know we, we all love a good dual threat quarterback. We love a quarterback that can run. Um, especially at the college level where it's you have a little bit more leeway in that you, you know you see that more we love it but we also don't we also don't um yeah. if you're a san Diego state fan you don't want your leading rusher to be your quarterback that's just that is just it's it's a disaster waiting to happen yeah um and so you definitely want to see these guys get more involved of course the opposite of that if you're utah state you uh you don't want to see these guys get involved at least for another week but yeah two two pretty solid athletes that you it's it's only a matter of time these guys are going to yeah. get going to get involved very quickly yeah and davis specifically i think that his full season stats are uh, probably doing him a little bit of an injustice because he in the last two games 17 carries for 81 yards that's quite a bit better uh on a on a per carry basis he's been when he has been more involved these last two games he has looked solid it's it's it, running backs need rhythm and i, I think he's yep, been able yep. to find that a little bit sutton as well all of his carries have come in those last two games 19 carries 71 yards two touchdowns um I would not be surprised at all if you see those two as the main backs. I, I think there's a very real chance that that happens. If not, I would not really be, honestly, I wouldn't be all that worried about Armstead, about Armstead or about um, 
uh, Kristen. Like they're just they're just yeah. guys. If I'm being honest, they're just guys, and they kind of have been for for a while now. Um, then that's been the issue for this offense for for several years now is that they just have guys at running back instead of stars. This offense needs stars at running back to function. The best offenses that San Diego State has 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 had since Hoke's arrival the first time have been offenses that have those, I mean, you know the names, Rashad Penny and and Donnell Pumphrey and guys like that who can dominate a game on their own and then open everything else up, specifically in the play-action passing game. And that they don't have that and they haven't had that has been a very big issue for the play-action passing game um, because there's nowhere to go with the ball. There's (laughs) there's nowhere for Jalen Maiden, who is, I, I think, a a capable, talented, but inconsistent for reasons that are not entirely his fault, uh, passer. He's, he's completing 61% of his passes. Like you have to take away the run to, to, to take away the pass. And and the run is going to be the number one thing that they do. If you let them run, it makes everything on this offense work a whole lot better. If you stop it, they can't do anything. Yeah, that's exactly right. We will, we'll talk more uh, about, uh, the San Diego state ability to pass the ball, uh, you know, in a minute, but, yeah. um, suffice it to say, it's, it's the last thing we're going to talk about for a reason. It's not good. Um, and so if you can stop this run, your defense has, is making their job a lot easier for themselves. Your, your defense can do this the hard way or they can do it the easy way. The easy way is stopping them from running the ball. Uh, and that's going to make their night go a lot easier. It's going to make them look a lot better. So that's yeah. that's what they're going to need to do uh, right from the start. Yeah. The the basically, I'll, we'll we'll jump to the next section here after this. But the way that I would describe it in very very simple, very quick terms is that the difference for San Diego State between double digit wins and what it has been doing this year and what it did last year and what has been kind of a, a, a down stretch for them in general since 2018. 2017 was the uh, the year where, where Rashad Penny goes nuts and runs for like 2,200 yards, and then they've not had a guy like that really since then. Um, the difference when they don't have that running back from when they do is the difference between second and short and third and short and second and long and third and long. That is the easiest way to describe it is that when this offense is is functioning, they have a running back who's getting them seven yards on first down. They have a running back who is, you know, he's, he's getting first downs on second and, and medium. He's moving the chains. He's keeping them ahead of schedule. And then those play action passes hurt that much more. One, because you are, you are dedicating more bodies to stopping that running back and to, to, stopping him from getting seven yards every time he carries the ball. Um, And two, because a play action from second and three is a lot more dangerous than a play action from third and 11. When you are passing from third and 11 with a passing attack that's not very well defined, usually you're going to punt. And San Diego State has had way too many punts and way too few of those long winding drives. Um, This year, last year, every year that they don't have a running back who can do that, the offense does not work without a running back. It doesn't. It just doesn't work. It, it, and, and they don't. They've not had that guy. They've not had that rushing game. Jalen Maiden is a very good runner. He is 
uh, a talented player. I, I think he has done a lot to keep this this team afloat. Um, as as much as as much as you can say that he has, um, he should not be your leading rusher at San Diego State. The quarterback should never, ever, ever be the leading rusher at San Diego State, and they are they're they're dealing with the the repercussions of that, which is just that they can't really run the ball on early downs, and they're setting themselves up for passing downs that are never going to work. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Probably everywhere, but especially yeah. at San Diego State, the way they like to build this team, uh, you can't have. You can't have your quarterback leading your team in in yards on the ground, yeah, especially significantly. In it's not good. <laughs> yeah, by by a large, large margin. Um, yeah, it's just you can't do it. Yeah, cannot cannot yeah, do he, it. He um, has nearly twenty more carries than the leading rusher, the leading halfback, and uh, more than it's it's almost one hundred and fifty more yards than the leading rusher at halfback. Like that's just not. It's just not good. It's just not good. <laughs> and it's not yeah. it's not good for for like you said for most teams. There are there's the occasional system that can deal with that, but this is not a triple option attack. Um yeah. as much as it maybe wants to be <laughs> at at, yeah. at times. Uh they don't have that same there's not that same dynamic. So, uh sticking on the ground moving to back to the other side of the ball, Utah State's run game against the San Diego State run defense. This one is really interesting to me because I, I think it's probably going to come down to the same thing we were talking about with the the passing game, which is winning with five on four, winning up front, doing enough up front to let your halfbacks get to the second level. San Diego State's run defense has not been good this year. It's not been good really in any metrics. The advanced metrics specifically, um, they hate this run defense. I, I mentioned some of the stats earlier. Um, and... A big issue with that has been that they've just not gotten off blocks on the line in the way that they need to. And these linebackers, who I, I did not mention by name earlier, the three that you would need to know here are um, Zyrus... Uh, how do you say this kid's last name? I've got the pronunciation guide. Uh, Zyrus Fiaseu. Um, he is... He's starting. They've got next to him... Uh, Vi Caho, who is a kind of a new starter for them. He's been around for several years for this program, but he's just not, this is really the first significant action that he is seeing. And then Cody Moon at middle linebacker, who I think people probably would know that name. He's a transfer from New Mexico. Um, the former two are, are more involved in the blitzing game. He's pretty much exclusively Moon is more of a run stopper, more of a coverage guy. Um, but uh, th those three, if you can get past this line, which a lot of run games have this season, those three are just, frankly, being asked to do too much. I think I think that they their responsibilities when you have you know three new starting linebackers are too great. They're 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 blitzing. They're playing coverage. They're they're balancing a lot of things as three guys who are playing together as starters for the first time ever. Moon is in the program for the first year here. They've got you know guys who are just new and, and don't know exactly what they're supposed to be doing within this defense, and you see that show up once you get to the second level of this defense because they miss a lot of tackles, and they're not in the right place consistently. They're pulled out of the box, out of the second level by those blitzes at times. If you can get past the line, there's a lot of room to work against this, this defense, and it really should not be that hard to get past this line. Like I said earlier, they're 132nd in average line yards allowed, which is just a its a stat that basically tries to measure how badly you are winning or losing the battle up front. They have lost it very—they've lost it as badly as anybody in college football this season. 
Utah State, I know that the offensive line is what it is. There's no excuse. You got to be able to run the ball. You there's just everybody has run the ball on these guys. You got to be able to run the ball. Utah State needs to have that balance on offense to keep this defense constricted to to keep them playing up on the line and respecting the the potential that you hand the ball off. You can't just let them tee off on the passing game. Yeah, there's been there's been times this year we, we've been hard on on both sides of the line you know the, the defensive line offensive line um the defensive line we know what it is it's not good it's not great um but there has been times even still where utah state's ability to rush the ball has been elite uh, very very good um you have they put 200 between, on the board against a very good fresno state defense yeah i mean i mean you between booth phase on and briggs you have a very very solid you know, three very capable runners who each individually have looked at times elite. Um, they've shown great patience. I, you know, I've seen plays that just seem to go on forever as they will just kind of park themselves behind a lineman and wait yeah. and wait and wait. And then the hole appears and they go. Yeah. Um, Faison loves to do that. Faison loves Faison to is fa- very good. Faison that. loves to, he sets up shop in the backfield. He's, he'll just he's, take a nap. Yeah, he'll he'll have the ball, take a quick nap and then boom, 12 yards. I yeah. mean, he's, so good at that he's he's maybe one of the best like that's not something i you know i i don't tune into games to see how long a running back waits um but if it was phase on would be I, i'm sure one of the the best i like it i i notice it i i he makes me notice how he will sit in the backfield so he's yeah. very very good at that yeah uh, one of the best i've seen that, that i've noticed at least yeah and, um, and i'll i'll add on that because that is not always like uh, there's it's a common a common thing in football with running backs for there it to be, you know, like guys waiting too long, spending too much time dancing around in the backfield, all of that stuff. That is a common concern. Um, the difference with Faison in, in that, the reason that it works for him is because the, the running backs for whom that is an issue aren't good at it. <laughs> They're not, it's right, it's yeah. not patience. It's that they are they're still working with a, a uh, usually a high school level understanding of blocks getting set up and they don't know what they're seeing. And so they're dancing around without a purpose. They're just back there hanging out. Um, Faison is not doing that. He's comfortable in that spot. The guys who are dancing around are not comfortable. Faison is totally comfortable just waiting for his blocks to get set up yeah. um, and then hitting the hole. His, it's, it's an acceleration thing, but it is, it's also a an ability to read the defense and to read your blocks at a really high level while there are, yeah. you know, while guys are flying around and, and while the play is yeah. happening, that is a, that's a skill. It's it's not that he's, it's not that he's dancing around and wasting time. He's good at it. There you can, you can get away with it if you're good at it. And he, and he is. Yeah. It, it takes, it's, it's that perfect combination of just elite IQ, great ability to read the play at only five eleven. I think he's, he's able to, to read the entire field and then combine that with just uh, top-notch acceleration makes him a very, very dangerous player in the backfield. Yeah, it's confidence um, too. It's it's confidence that yeah, if somebody yeah. gets it's, there, you can a make a miss. Things. Yeah, it's it's a it's a hard thing to do. There's a reason that most running backs just want to get downhill. It's it's hard it's hard to run yeah. like that, but he's he's good at it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, those three, all three running backs have shown moments of being very, very good. Um, our running game in general has has shown moments of being very very good. Uh, that is going to you know be be available. That that is probably an option against this team. I think what it might come down to is just play calling. I know 
Uh, there's been those that have been very, very critical of Blake and his play calling. I'm, I, I'll preface this the same way I, I often do. There's a reason I sit in a podcast chair and he sits in a, a head coaching chair. Yeah, uh, he knows the game way better than I do. Um, but there have been more, uh, more, you know, there have more been than some a head few scratchers. times that I scratch yeah. my head thinking, "What is Blake doing?" Um, I, you know, he's the one calling the plays. He is. He, he is everything. He's the head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. If something's happening on offense, it goes through Blake. Um, poor play calling has, I think, caused issues this season at times. Um, and so to, to find that balance, I mean, we have a very, very good receiving core. We have a very, very good rushing core um, when they are both used at the appropriate times and in yeah. the, you know, correctly. Uh, Utah State's elite. We've seen that. Utah State is a very, very good team. There, there were times where they looked like probably the best team in the conference when they, yeah, when they're when on. they know who they are, when they're on, when they know who they are. When Blake is um, calling the right plays, he, you know, we'll see. Um, but you know, going back to this specific matchup, it's there. Yeah. Uh, if Utah State, if Utah State can't, if they want to, uh, there's a chance that they they can have a really, really good night on the ground. Um, it's there for the taking. They just have to go figure out a way to get it. Yeah, and and it it almost goes without saying, but the passing attack has benefited quite a bit when the running game is there, and it yes. would benefit yes. here. That's another really good way to keep the defense from dropping seven into uh, like deeper zones and and fill in those passing lanes. Is if you give them something to look at in the backfield, because Utah State has had when it is at its best this season offensively, it has had a a really effective play action passing game. And you don't, it, it is not necessarily a one-to-one, you have to be able to run first to set up the play action, but there has to be a threat of it. There has to be a, yeah. a concern that you can do it. And that concern can even just come from, you come out on the first drive and run down the field. That can be enough. <laughs> and it shouldn't yeah. just be that they abandon the run after a successful first drive. But if there's a threat of it, even if the defense isn't blitzing, those linebackers can't get as deep. They can't. They can't interrupt yeah. the the dig routes that are that are so present in this offense. They can't be in that. They can't be in the window jumping into the the place of a pass or, you know, stopping the the quarterback from from firing on a on a short route underneath because there's a linebacker there who wouldn't be there if he was worried about the run. Um, yeah. It is that's that's the point of the balance, and and Utah State can't go at the tempo it wants to go at if it doesn't have that offensive balance. They didn't have it against San Jose State. They didn't have much of anything offensively against San Jose State. When yeah, they have had true. it, they've 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 you know put a lot of points on the board against Colorado State. They've very near, they've taken James Madison to the brink. They have, I mean, they, they, I thought they played an excellent game offensively against a good Fresno State defense. They're capable. They're capable against better defenses than this one. You just got to do it. And it, it really, it, it, to, you know, it's just the line. <laughs> you need the line to, to win those matchups. You need the line to yep. be good against four, good against three, and force the defense to put more guys in the box to keep things open for the passing game down the field. Yeah, I would agree. It's the line. I would. I'd say it's the play calling as well. I think we know what we're getting yeah. out of out of our out of our runners. We, you know, Booth, Faison, and Briggs, very, very good. We know that. Um, same thing, really, on the the passing side. We know what we're getting out of our receivers. Jalen Royals, uh, Terrell Vaughn, and Michael Davis are very, very good. We know that. Um, what we don't know is how the line is going to look and how Blake's going to call this game. And I'm glad you phrased it the way you did. Like 
There's been times where Blake is reluctant to throw the ball until he establishes it. It's not a chronological thing. It just, the threat has to be there. Yeah. And it has to be there all it's, game. And that's, that's where the balance comes from. It doesn't yeah. come from um, the way that I think sometimes Blake seems to think it happens. Yeah. And, and it is, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll leave it with this and then real quick talk about right. the San Diego state passing game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Play calling flow, offensive flow, when an offense is in rhythm, all of this stuff is is very intangible. I, you, there's not really a way to uh, describe it or, or really a way to explain it. It is very much a you-know-it-when-you-see-it situation, um, and I think you'll know it when you see it, <laughs> or if you don't see it in this game. Um, the, the, the flow state where they have that balance, where they have the defense on its, on its toes. Um, it's gotta be there. And and that is Utah state has done generally a pretty good job of that offensively in the first seven games of the season. It's just, they need that. They need that to be there. They, they need the, they need to be the offense that they were in the first seven games and not the one that they were in the eighth game. Um, uh, last last one here, and like I said, I don't really know that we need to linger on this. The San Diego State passing game I mentioned earlier, Maiden <clears throat> completing about 61% of his passes. Um, it's, it's under a little under seven yards in attempt, six interceptions to six touchdowns. I don't really blame him for a ton of that. They have he they've they've done an okay job of keeping him protected. He's he's helped that out, avoiding sacks by scrambling. Um, it's just, they, they really don't, they don't have much of a passing game. The, the, the design is not really there and the players aren't really there. Their leading receiver this year is tight end Mark Redman, who's been there for a while. He's a good player. Um, I think he's got like 22 receptions, 240 some yards. He's, he's capable, uh, and Utah State has had issues with paying attention to the tight end, <laughs> just focus problems of not covering the tight end. They need to do that. Um, but the receivers here, Breon Perry is, is or Penny is an okay possession receiver. He's number two for receptions. And then uh, Makai Shaw and Balin Brooks, freshman Balin Brooks, have been kind of big play threats at times, but not very consistent. That's about it in the passing game. Their leading receiver has 22 receptions. They don't pass the ball very well. There's There's really not... It is what it is. If the rushing game is going and, and, and this passing attack becomes a factor, Utah State has done something wrong. You really you really shouldn't right. let these guys pass on you. Yeah, Jalen Maiden, uh, he was he came in as a quarterback. Yeah. And then he actually made the switch to safety for some time during his senior season and then moved back. Yeah. Uh, to retake a quarterback position. So kind of the uh, the Levi Williams journey mm-hmm. and then back. Um, yeah. What we want Levi Williams to do. I felt there um, were he he <laughs> he played a lot of safety um at, at times last season before they moved him into the quarterback role and I I felt so bad during the reading quotes from from him about it um while that, while that was happening because he was like I just want to be on the field. I don't really right. <laughs> I, like I I I I would love to play quarterback but I just want to play and so I told them like if you need to put me at safety or something you can do that. Um I felt bad for him because he was clearly the best quarterback on the roster and I'm, I'm they have <laughs> they have come to that conclusion after after a pretty long time. They got to it eventually last season. Um, I don't know why they, I don't know why it took so long to come to that conclusion. Um, but he, you know, he's just, he's not getting, a, he's not getting a ton of help and he's not necessarily, yeah. he was a former four star committed to, he was, he was at Mississippi state originally. He's a good runner. He has a pretty good arm, a decent enough arm. He is not like an NFL quarterback. He doesn't have that skill set. 
and you know he's he's not somebody who's going to make from a bad passing game a capable passing game but he is not getting he's not getting much of anything from from the way that this offense functions from the play calling and from his receivers there's just not a whole lot to help this kid out yeah it's um i think you said it best when you said it's basically just if this becomes a factor if utah if utah state makes it a factor for uh the aztecs to throw the ball uh we're doing something wrong uh we have a really really good secondary and their passing game just hasn't been there so yeah. if that if it's suddenly if this is the game that it comes out and breaks out uh something's gone wrong yep. uh, for utah state it's, yep. it's not that something goes right for the aztecs it's, it's probably that something went wrong for us yep i i think that is uh i think that's the the size of it pretty much um yeah. I think Utah State's going to win if it plays anywhere near the level that it's capable of playing. I would guess that with the week to recuperate, it will be closer to that level. I think Utah State gets back on track here and, and sets itself up pretty well for these last three games. Um, could obviously see it going the other way. <laughs> and yeah. and you know, yeah. we, just, we just saw that happen in a game that Utah State probably should have won and we, shot, we thought they were going to win. Um, but if it is, if it's Utah state of seven of, of the games that we have seen them play the, the majority of those games, if it's that team, I think they win. I, I think they win probably by a couple scores. San Diego state is just struggling. They're, they're struggling a lot this yeah. year. Yeah, I'd agree. I think Utah state has a chance to get back on track, uh, really make us forget about that San Jose state game. I hope, uh, yeah. put that in the rear view mirror as quickly as possible. Uh, it's great that we had a bye week because it gave us a chance to kind of recuperate, but as a fan, it sucked because we just get, you know, that got to linger for an extra yeah. week. But hopefully we can turn that around, get that in the rear view. Uh, and I think Utah State should be able to come back and play the way they should. And if they do, they uh, they win this game and it should look good. It yep. should look nice. Elsewhere in the Mountain West, it's a full, uh, full slate here, five games, uh, four in the conference, and then Army in a neutral site against Air Force looking to secure the Commander-in-Chief's trophy for the second time in as many years. We can knock that one out real quick. I think they're going to do that. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would imagine that Air Force probably not going to have a, tr- a ton of trouble there. Army has, and I, I pulled this for something else, but I'll reference it here. In his last five games, Army's two and six. In his last five games, Army is averaging 10.8 points per game, and that included a game against UMass. That's <laughs> not, yeah, not what is... you want. They were shut out twice uh, in, in that span. I believe they've lost all of those games. Um, I think Air Force is probably going to make pretty short work of their uh, their rivals from the East here. I would agree with that. The only thing in Army's favor is that they do know who the Air Force quarterback is going to be, which they is something that. that Navy yeah. did not have in their favor. Yeah. Um, all of that aside, it's not going to matter. Air Force is – they're just not going to lose another game, dude. Yeah, they are they're better. so good. They're yeah. just better. They're yeah. the better team <laughs> every game they play. They, yeah. they are – they're not in the business of losing games this year. They are something else. Yep, I would imagine that they will be fine. Uh, moving into yep. the conference, big game up at the top is a battle of three and one teams in the standings. That would be Boise State at Fresno State. Um, chance here for Fresno State to really take a, a pretty firm grasp on the the number two spot and and the the title game berth opposite Air Force already has the tiebreaker over the other three and one team which is UNLV um, and could knock Boise State down into the the, the ranks of the two lost teams which I think it's San Jose State and then a couple other teams I think San Jose State is kind of I'm interested I'm I'm curious it feels like they are yeah. they're looming a little bit right now. 
Um, but this is the this is the biggest game here. The winner controls its destiny and, and is the favorite to play Air Force in that conference championship game. And I know what happened last week. I know we we talked about it on on Tuesday. I think Fresno State is probably going to take care of business here because Fresno State usually does that against against lesser teams. Yeah. Fresno State does not often lose. This is especially at home. I think they're probably going to get the job done fairly comfortably here. Yeah, this is the milk can rivalry. Boise State, Fresno State, Fresno State should should get it done. That being said, Boise has uh, started to look like they are competent again. Uh, you just never know with that Boise State team, but uh, Fresno is the better team. They should uh, they should get it done. Yep. Uh, also here in the sort of the, the middle of the league, Colorado State at Wyoming, obviously a rivalry game. I don't think that snow is in the forecast for this one, unfortunately. You, you never know in, in November yeah. in Laramie. <laughs> the border um, war. Yeah. It, it's, it snows uh, more often than not, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. I think we. Uh, I think they might miss it this time around, unfortunately. I, I do love a snow game. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I – this – I don't know. I think it's probably going to be fairly entertaining because it is a rivalry and because it's going to be chippy. It always is between these two. That yeah. is, I think, the best sell that I have for this. I don't know if as an actual football matchup I'm super compelled because I, I think Wyoming probably just you know sits on them um, and, uh, and, and wins this one pretty similarly to how a lot of teams have won against Colorado State this season just – same thing that happened against Air Force last week. I just I don't know that Colorado State has the defense or the the line play to to hang in this kind of game yet. Yeah, I would agree. I this is another one that you know this this should be a fun one to watch if you can tune in. Tune in. Um, as you mentioned, the border war is tends to be chippy. It should be pretty heated. These two teams. Uh, I can't tell. I, I'm not super plugged in with either fan base, so I can't tell if they hate each other or uh, love to to play each other. I can't tell, but it's a yeah, it's, it's a heated. It rivalry. seems like they hate each other, from what I have gathered I would, from from my my guess, brief yeah my brief glimpses. I believe there was a a slight uh, there there was a, a a small vandalism issue earlier <laughs> yeah, this week on some Ram statues. Uh, um, yeah, Wyoming has officially claimed uh, the Ram statue. It's yeah. been branded officially, so that is <laughs> that is exciting stuff about the West. It does saw, not cease to entertain. Yeah, I saw, I, I think it was um, Alex Taylor who covers Wyoming. I don't know who for. I'm going to pull that up so I can credit him. But he, he quote tweeted something earlier this week that was a really fun glimpse into the dynamic of this this rivalry and I did not I did not realize that this was the case. I think that Colorado State fans are are like they're like high and mighty regarding Wyoming fans. They're like, oh, those guys are yokels, <laughs> right? Like, like that's the. Um, <laughs> yeah. He writes for uh, uh, Wyoming or uh, yeah, Wyoming Sports, the Wyoming Tribune Eagle in Cheyenne. Uh, Alex Taylor. Um, I so I think Colorado State fans come into it with that mindset. There was like there were several posts about like oh those those <laughs> those hicks at Wyoming, and it is very funny for to to see that from the outside looking in because it's like. You guys are this. You, you know, you guys are the same people, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's not really that big of a difference. It's, it's just you know, kind of northern Colorado and Wyoming are fairly similar places. I know Colorado State is more of a, a you know a, a standard town, more of a college town. But like, I don't know. I don't think that there's yeah, that big I of mean, a difference between Fort Collins they, and Laramie. I think probably they pretty call similar. this the border war because you're on the <laughs> you're border. Right you're like there. under fifty miles away. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're, those, those hicks from Wyoming. It's like, yeah. I don't know, it seems like probably similar <laughs> demographically. Yeah, like I, that's maybe, yeah, th- those hicks from <laughs> right up the road. <laughs> those those yeah. horrible, my horrible very, hick neighbors who live right next very door. Very fun. <laughs> very fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a fun, yeah, <laughs> outside looking in is always more fun. It always provides just enough clarity that you never have when you're on the inside of yeah. one of those heated rivalries. Um, that's a fun one. That's, yeah. that's just great. Yep. Also in the Mountain West here down near the uh, the less entertaining side of things, UNLV at New Mexico. UNLV with a chance to get back on track that I imagine it will take. I cannot see New Mexico yeah. winning this football game or really many other football games that it plays for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then also Hawaii at Nevada. If you, uh, I don't know, if you don't have anything else going on. If you really, really <laughs> don't have anything else going on, I guess that this is also a football game you could watch. Um, there are other yeah. football games. You don't just have to watch the Mountain West. If, if you're if you're seriously considering watching Hawaii at Nevada, I think maybe you should go like go for a walk or something. <laughs> you, you need <laughs> well, a break. What, what time is that game? I mean, it's in Reno, so it's not like we get – it's not like the lone TV slot in Hawaii. Let me look. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're a Mountain West guy – have at it um if you're not we will uh we'll cover it for you next week we'll tell yeah. you what happens so you don't have to watch yeah it's... we watch so you don't have to. Uh, this the game is at 2 p.m mountain time there are other football games on you could just watch it's it's, it's... go get some fresh air go yeah. outside go get some fresh air go outside there's going to be big games in the yeah. afternoon here's, big here's games your schedule in the you watch you watch the utah state soccer game the championship yeah you go outside during the two o'clock block, you go get some fresh air yeah. and then you get ready to watch uh, Utah state football. There you go. Um, you can skip over that one. This is your break. This is when you do your Saturday chores, go mow the lawn, go rake your leaves, um, yeah. do your chores during that game. Yep. I think that that is probably fair. I would say that maybe yeah. for both of these games. Um, I do have my last little note here. Cause I'm looking at the big schedule and it has the, the betting lines and stuff listed. Um, the, the one for air force army is very entertaining for me. Air force is favored by 17 and a half points. And the total is 32.5. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> it paints a, it paints a picture for sure of what that does, what they're maybe that expecting does. in that one. <laughs> Um, and I actually, I have one more note, Patrick. I can't let you go without reminding you that your Idaho State Bengals are in town. They are back oh, yeah. on the Wasatch Front. Uh, well, not back on the Wasatch Front, because I guess Logan's not really. But yeah. the Idaho State Bengals are in are in town. So for those, uh, that crossover fan group of Utah State fans that, that just root for anything local, um, we have the uh, Idaho State Weber State game that yeah. uh, I, Patrick, I'm sure, will be tuned into uh, at 4 p.m. That is a game oh, yeah. that he's, he, he's got circled on his calendar for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. That is also uh, also going on at 4 p.m. If you, uh, I don't know, don't have all that much room to walk around outside, I guess you could. <laughs> yeah. if, you need some, if you need some FCS action, yeah. you get you get the, the double dip of a former Utah State opponent and a, a, an in-state school for Utah. So, yep. Always a good time this Saturday. Um, there's some good games on, though. It'll be yeah. a fun week. Yep, it'll be a fun week. It always is in college football. And we will be back next week, as always, to recap everything that's going on, both at Utah State and within the rest of the Mountain West. Uh, but until then, I guess just maybe listen to this episode over and over again. Just repeat it. Just <laughs> just, just get it looping. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you all then.